are here for a reason. This news just in. We are your news now. Right on radio. For continuous coverage, the latest information. Separate fact from opinion. Get the truth. Get the news. You're listening to Right On Radio. You are here for a reason. Thank you. 
Hey everyone, welcome to Right On Radio. A glorious day it is. I'm so glad you could be here. This message is uh, is not an easy one to give today. Very few of you ever ever heard this message. Uh, I'm betting on, but the Holy Spirit has really prompted me to give this message today. And if you were on the prayer call last night, I was uh, going to justifiably put it off till next week, but it really is on my heart and it's for today. So Heavenly Father, I place this show, my life, into your hands. Father God, let it be your words that come out. Lord, let the let your message be clearly understood. Lord, that no words from man are ever put above the word of the living God. And Father, you put these words into your canon, into your Bible, for a reason and for a very specific time in every generation since it has been written. So, Father, I ask that your Holy Spirit indwell me and speak the words that glorify Jesus and do your service. I pray for everyone who's listening that this to this message that there will be clarity and it'll be received in love because that is certainly the intent of the person narrating this morning so i commit this to you may your grace be upon us in jesus name amen well believe it or not i'm excited <laughs> I'm excited to do this. It's exciting when the favor of the Lord is upon you. And it's exciting that God speaks to us. And God brings correction when there needs to be correction. And so there's a couple reasons why I'm doing this show today and you know, the first one is it's God's timing to do it. And I've been studying this for a few days now. Uh, I might not be able to do it all in one show. We'll see how it goes. Uh, this might be continued next Sunday. But if you look at the history of Bible study on this channel, um, the very first Bible study that uh, that we did here on Right On Radio was the book of Revelation. And obviously it was put on my heart. It was of great interest to many people considering the uh, confusing times that we're in. And, you know, the book of Revelation is full of signs. And uh, it's nice to study the book of Revelation and compare it to the signs of the times that are here. Uh, but also because there's so much confusion on the earth right now, 
God is not the author of that, by the way. He lets it happen. But there's a lot of confusion. And so in just my own common logic, deduction, when you see a confusion or you see a problem, I usually like to go to the end and work my way backwards. It's kind of just basic engineering principles. And so we went into Revelation, we studied it, we know what is to come. And then the question was begged, well, what are we to do? And the Lord led me to introduce the book of Acts. And we concluded the book of Acts last week. And it really is how God assembled his church. And right now, you could agree with this or disagree with this. It doesn't matter. But the church is going through a major change right now. And I think he's really building up the remnant of his church or you know, assembling his bride for the final battles and the final times. Oh, sorry. I gotta, I don't want to lose my thought, but I but should check chat. I learned the a hard lesson a couple weeks ago. Okay. My mic is working. <laughs> um, and the Lord gave us an example of how he built his church and if it's the Lord's example, the one that he put into his book, then I suspect that is a model for us to follow. Another reason why I'm doing this particular book today is the word. There is no force there is nothing more powerful than the word. And that is illustrated to us in so many different ways in the Bible. The most obvious is creation. It was the word of God that went out and creation happened. And we know now that the word of God is so powerful uh, even just reading it, if you're born again, if you have the spirit inside of you, when you read the word, it is alive. The best way I can describe it for myself, you might have a different way, is it's like taking a shower. I read the word and I feel a cleansing of God. It's It's supernatural just reading the word. And we also know that the word is a weapon even here in our fleshly bodies. If you were to get into a physical confrontation with someone and let's say your nose is broken or you have a black eye, well, those heal relatively quickly. But the word is like a two-edged sword. It cuts deep. And I can tell you that there are certain things that were said to me in my life that I still have not recovered from. 
words can hurt so badly. They can scar people and change their entire lives. One sentence from someone, if they hit right, they can really damage you. You know, it's like a a kid that grew up always thinking he was stupid because the teacher called him stupid. And those words stuck and he believed it or she believed it. So words are very, very powerful. Um, another reason why this teaching is appropriate for today, and I don't normally do this long of a preamble, folks, but I really want you to understand my heart in this. Um, stewardship. I have been given an awesome amount of trust by the Lord. But to me, it's an awesome amount of trust. It's small compared to other people. I get it. But I've been given an awful awful lot of trust and responsibility. And, you know, the Lord had me train in stewardship, and I really read the Bible in a with a stewardship eyes. I see stewardship all the way through it, and I, you know, don't want to sound like a broken record, but the New Testament, you know, Faith is mentioned 215 times, heaven 218 times, stewardship principles 2,085 times. So to me, God says that's important. (laughs) In fact, 10 times more important than the mentioning of heaven, if you just went by the numbers. So I must do my absolute best to steward my responsibility in having a public voice. Another reason uh, why I must do this and must do this now is this is actually going to be the beginning of my public repentance Yeah, I have much to repent. And you're going to see that as I go through this. Um, In fact, I'll get back to that in one second. And I guess the the final reason that is on my heart for this uh, today is, you know, the book's in the Bible might seem like a random order, but our God isn't a random God. Everything is by design. Everything is done. And when we get, you know, the, the entire old Testament points towards the cross and the coming of the Messiah, the new covenant, the new Testament speaks of Jesus, God himself walking in the flesh going to the cross, rising up again, and then his word going out across the earth, and it brings us right to the end times. The book right before Revelation, and I suspect we're coming into end times, folks, uh, just to be very clear about that, 
but the book right before the very last pages before you get to the book of Revelation is the book of Jude. And I think it's there for a reason. And it's right before the book of the end. And I have never studied the book of Jude before. Um, it's quite amazing. And, and I have read it before, of course. Um, but it, reading it, quite honestly, does not give you a good feeling. <laughs> not at all. So uh, it's not an easy book, and it's not one that uh, many people would like to teach or reflect heavily on. But I'm telling you, there's a reason why it's there. And we're going to start to see those reasonings as we go through the book of Jude. So I uh, just pray that this uh, word goes forward and that you will be blessed by this. And of course, after I read it, we'll start to break it down and look at the concepts and apply some well, real life biblical knowledge towards it. The chapter really is about facing apostasy. Or the book, I should say. There's two chapters. The book is about apostasy, and I've done shows on apostasy, and we've started out with this new series, Be the Berean. And if there is uh, one thing that I want to inspire you as we are going through this, is it is to be the Berean. And I'm going to continue on that series. They won't be every week or, or every program, but I will be continuing that. And I really need it to come from you. Back to my repentance before I read this, because I want to frame this so you understand the way I'm teaching this. There has been apostasy on this very channel. I am not perfect, folks. You're watching me learn as we go. So I'm asking for your grace and forgiveness. There has been apostasy on this show. At the time, I did not know it was apostasy. I tell you the truth, if I knew it was apostasy, I would have corrected it, stopped it, not published it, one of those things, but I would have taken responsibility for it. Now, many of you listening right now would say, well, Jeff, what was it? Name it. Well, it will be named. However, again, I have a great responsibility 
And if I just said, this person said this, and it was on this show and I'm deleting that show forever or whatever, listen, what would happen? My fear is that you would be accepting my judgment on the person who said it. I am not a judge and I'm not the one to point the fingers. You are not the judge. We're going to learn in this book that there is instruction on how to handle these things. And I'm trusting for wisdom from God to make all these things right. And as I'm aware of anything that was misspoken on this program, I commit to you to writing the message. That does not mean I'm attacking the person or persons. It means there needs to be correction to the message. And part of the be the Berean, as you're going to see when we read this chapter and start to study it, we cannot let apostasy go unchallenged. It doesn't matter who it is. It matters what the words are. The devil only needs to be have you off the word a little bit. He can put in all kinds of verses and convince you, and then there's just that one little thing that can lead you to your destruction. Narrow is the way. Not wide is the gate. I think I may have hit a new record uh, for longest preamble <laughs> in uh, the history of this show. All right. Book of Jude, verse 1. Jude, a bond servant of Jesus Christ and brother of James. To those who are called, beloved in God the Father and kept for Jesus Christ, may mercy, peace, and love be multiplied to you. Beloved, while I was making every effort to write you about our common salvation, I felt the necessity to write to you appealing that you contend earnestly for the faith that was once for all time handed down to the saints. For certain people have crept in unnoticed. Those who were long beforehand marked out for this condemnation, ungodly persons who turn the grace of God into indecent behavior and deny our only master 
and Lord Jesus Christ. Now, I want to remind you, though you know everything once and for all, that the Lord, after saving a people out of the land of Egypt, subsequently destroyed those who did not believe. And angels who did not keep their own domain, but abandoned their proper dwelling place. These he has kept in eternal restraints under darkness for the judgment of the great day. Just as Sodom and Gomorrah and the cities around them since they, in the same way as these angels, indulged in sexual perversion and went after strange flesh, are exhibited as an example in undergoing the punishment of eternal fire. Yet in the same way, these people also, dreaming, defile the flesh, reject authority, and speak abusively of angelic majesties. But Michael, the archangel, when disputed with the devil and argued about the body of Moses, did not dare pronounce against him an abusive judgment, but said, the Lord rebuke you. But these people disparage all the things that they do not understand and all the things that they know by instinct like unreasoning animals, by these things, they are destroyed. Woe to them, for they have gone the way of Cain, and for pay, they have given themselves up to the error of Balaam, and perished in the rebellion of Korah. These are the ones who are hidden reefs in your love feasts when they feast with you without fear. Like shepherds caring only for themselves, clouds without water, carried along by winds, autumn trees without fruit, doubly dead, uprooted, wild waves of the sea churning up their own shameful deeds like dirty foam, wandering stars for whom the gloom of darkness has been reserved forever. It was about these people that Enoch, in the seventh generation of Adam, prophesied, saying, Behold, the Lord has come 
with many thousands of his holy ones to execute judgment upon all and to convict the ungodly of their ungodly deeds, which they have done in an ungodly way and of all the harsh things which ungodly sinners have spoken against him. These are the grumblers finding fault, following after their own lusts. They speak arrogantly, flattering people for the sake of gaining an advantage. But you, beloved, ought to remember the words that were spoken beforehand by the apostles of our Lord Jesus Christ, that they were saying to you, in the last time, there will be mockers following after their own ungodly lusts. These are the ones who cause divisions, worldly-minded, devoid of the Spirit. But you, beloved, building yourself up on your most holy faith, praying in the Spirit, keep yourselves in the love of God, looking forward to the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ to eternal life. And having mercy on some who are doubting. Save others, snatching them out of the fire. And on some, have mercy with fear, hating even the garment polluted by the flesh. Now to him who is able to protect you from stumbling and to make you stand in the presence of his glory, blameless with great joy. To the only God, our Savior, through Jesus Christ, our Lord, be glory, majesty, dominion, and authority before all time, now and forever. Amen. Lord, bless the reading of your word. All right, folks. So I want to just say uh, at this moment, we're not going to get through this. I need to do this message justice. It is a very serious and sobering message. And there's so many different angles in which we could approach this. There's so many, the depth of the word of God is beyond measure. In every single verse, we, we could spend an hour easily on each verse of this. And it probably does merit that. But I really feel that uh, there's a particular few things that 
is meant for us at this time. And you're, I'm sure you're going to get stuff that, uh, that I didn't get. And I'm going to see some stuff that I just don't have time or, or the words just don't simply come out. Listen, folks, our world is in or entering into, in my estimation, the greatest battle of all times. You know, people of my generation, our generations, around the world, particularly in the Western countries, we've had it very good for many years. We have been lulled into a sleep and into our comforts, not having to worry about, you know, invading armies on the outskirts not having to worry about these things and and being taught by society in the world's ways that uh, that we are to accept people and and we do want to accept people. Don't hear anything I'm not saying. We are not the judge of people, but we have to be the judge of words. And the only way to do that is to know the word of God. Jude, a bond servant of Jesus Christ and brother of James. It's interesting that he's, it just in the first part here, uh, Jude, so his actual name was Judas. However, uh, going into the canon, uh, it's just written as Jude. And I think there's some pretty obvious reasons why. Um, if it was the book of Judas, you know, many people might uh, get them mixed up. That could be one reason. I suggest to you that's probably the main reason. Um, so it is just recorded as Jude, but his full name was Judas. And he lists himself as a bond servant of Jesus Christ. So a bond servant, meaning that Jesus Christ is his Lord, and Jesus Christ, he has willfully forfeited his life to Jesus. Jesus, he's giving Jesus complete control of his life. And when he says he's a bond servant of Jesus Christ, that is the meaning behind it. And brother of James. Now, right away, you see 
that this man is a real man of God. You know, first of all, claiming to be a bond servant of Jesus Christ. Not many people, you know, my, my, many people would like to say, oh, I'm an engineer of rockets or, you know, I've got my degrees in this or this or this, and they want to puff themselves up. He says, no, I'm a bond servant. I'm, I'm as low as you can get. I'm a bonded servant. But you know what he could have said? He says he's brother of James, so that tells us exactly who he is. James was Jesus' brother. Jude is Jesus' half-brother. He could have come out and said, being born of royal bloodline, descending from David and sharing a mother with Jesus Christ, I, Jude, the apostle, send forth these instructions to you, my servants. No, he didn't do that. And so what I'm demonstrating here is one of the first lessons, uh, or most important lessons that is going to come up in this. Uh, we need to discern, and there's ways to investigate, there's ways to examine these things, but we need to test the fruits, we need to test, see what the spirit behind the man is saying. So he continues, and he's writing this letter, um, assuming, I, I really don't know who he was writing it to because it doesn't say, uh, but he's writing it to the church and possibly to the believers in Jerusalem. I would kind of lean that way, but I don't know the answer to that. But he is writing a letter and, you know, he says that right away of who he's writing it to, to those who are the called. To those that are the called. You know, each one of us has made a free will decision to either serve God or not to serve God. It's black and white, folks. It's you're either serving God or you're not serving God. Oh, but I'm a Christian. Are you serving God or are you not serving God? Oh, no, I, I'm i a Christian. I, I, I went to church on Sunday. Is that serving God? Is it serve God that you went to church? But those of us who have really made that decision to serve God, be rest assured that God called you first. You respond to the call. Now, God calls everybody. He, God says in his, in his word that he wishes that none would perish, that all would come to him. But we know that, that doesn't. But we are the ones who are called. Beloved 
in God the Father and kept for Jesus Christ. We are beloved in God the Father, but we are kept for Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ is the one, the Father, if you'll remember the teachings from the New Goggles series, the Father glorifies the Son. The Son glorifies the Father. The Holy Spirit glorifies Jesus, which in turn glorifies the Father. So the Father is glorifying his Son by keeping us for Jesus Christ. The love relationship in the Godhead is just incredible. It's just incredible. I truly hope, well, one day we're all going to understand it. (laughs) Right now, I think it's beyond comprehension. And he continues to say, may mercy, peace, and love be multiplied to you. So, you know, the the greeting of this letter is obviously warm and it's uh, encouraging. Oh, you're writing me and you, the brother of Jesus, man, I, I, I know this guy who wrote this letter to me and now this guy is holy. And if he's saying that I'm one of the called, man, okay, my faith just went up. You know, the exhortation is beautiful that he gives, but it quickly changes tone. And by the way, I, I know I read a little bit more slowly than I normally do. Uh, but I really wanted you to hear the impact of the words in context of just the uh, the book itself without uh, my analysis of it. Verse 3. Beloved, while I was making every effort to write to you about our common salvation... I felt the necessity to write to you appealing that you contend earnestly for the faith that was once and for all time handed down to the saints. So what this is saying to me in verse three, that, man, I didn't want to write this to you. I'm making every effort just to write to you about our salvation. Joy, joy, joy. The good news has arrived. He's risen. He's left his Holy Spirit here. Let's get together and pray, brother. Let's change the world. Let's get the gospel out there. That's what he wanted to write. But it says, I felt the necessity to write to you 
appealing that you contend earnestly for the faith. So it's the necessity. He had to. The the pressure is on him. Like, I don't want to do this, but I have to do this. I kind of feel that way right now. (laughs) Truth. There's truth in that statement. But I feel the necessity to write to you appealing that you contend earnestly for the faith. Be the Berean, folks. We need you. We cannot let this stuff go unchecked. We can't. There's too much confusion out there. There's too many people who are maybe baby Christians or just haven't walked deep in the word We need to, the word of God, the word of God is saying to you, yeah, you, you, that you contend earnestly with vigor, earnestly, I need to do this for the faith. That was once for all time handed down to the saints. What does it mean by that? For once handed down to all the saints. Well, it could mean a lot of things. But the things that the Lord has put on my heart about that statement is the word has been given once. We have the canon. We have the 66 books of the Bible. I don't think, and I'm going to suggest, well, I'm not going to suggest, I'm going to tell you because, listen, This is coming from my point of view. You can disagree with me. That's okay. I have decided. I have made the personal decision to believe that the Bible is the word of God. And you know what? My life is so much easier beyond that because no confusion is going to come in. No, 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 I'm sorry. I'm not even going to entertain it. This is what God intended. Now, are there other books that we can read that give us more information? Yeah, sure. But it doesn't line up with the Word of God. Once you make that decision, your life is so much better. Take it from me. I'm giving you true testimony, from my true testimony, about making that decision. So I don't think that God, you know, put together the the book, you know, here's the Bible, Uh, It's been around for thousands of years, but, you know, let's say around 
300 AD or 1500 AD or any of these different things. Oh, 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 you know what? This is God speaking. This is God speaking. I just realized that I forgot to put in certain things that are important for the human race. I forgot, so I'm going to tell, I'm going to give you the Book of Mormon. Now my word is complete. I'm going to give you this other book because I forgot to tell you uh, that, you know, things about the angels and the occult. No. If God knew the beginning and he knew the end, he's not going to forget to put in something. So it was handed down once and for all of time. All of time. Genesis to Revelation, he handed it down once for all of time. That includes your eternity, folks. Even beyond the book of Revelation. Because when we're in eternity, we're still going to have these 66 books to go back, read, reflect, and see the glory of God in it in a whole new way. Well, all right. So... Verse 4, for certain people have crept in unnoticed. Those who were long beforehand marked out for this condemnation. Ungodly persons who turn the grace of our God into indecent behavior and deny our only master and Lord, Jesus Christ. Every book of the Bible, of the New Testament, I should say, I believe except for Philemon, have warnings about the false teachers. Every single book And he, right here, Jude is telling us they've crept in unnoticed. They talk like good Christians. But they're off. It's for certain people have crept in unnoticed for those who were long beforehand marked out for this condemnation that's such a heavy concept but you know what god said that these things were going to happen 
And if he's the beginning and the end, he's the author of the entire story. He obviously placed some villains in this great script that he has written. They were marked out for this condemnation. And God didn't, but it, it's such a difficult concept because God didn't create us or any of us to burn in hell. But God knows that some of us are going to make that decision, and it is a decision. God is the ultimate one who judges, and his justice is going to be fair, as we're going to learn throughout this. But each person is the person who is going to decide, and they're going to decide fairly. They're going to have been presented the gospel of Jesus Christ, and they will have said, no, I don't want to believe it. Or even worse, in this case, they're trying to get believers. They've come in like wolves in sheep's clothing. And I'm going to suggest to each one of you, including myself, we have been influenced by some of these people in our lives. Now, thank God if it didn't take hold, and it probably didn't. But for some of you listening, it's not 100% of us. I was fooled. I've been fooled. And you know what? I'm going to be fooled again. Just like I've sinned, and I'll sin again. I don't say that's to brag to you or to tell you that it's okay. It's not okay to sin. But none of us are going to reach perfection while we're in this flesh suit. My prayer every day is that I sin less the next day. And that I can serve God. So let's just look at this uh, first description, and I'm going to end it uh, on this particular verse. Uh, <laughs> so we only got through four verses. I really apologize, folks. This might even take uh, three Sundays. Ungodly persons. You're going to see ungodly. I, it's mentioned like five or six times here. In this just short book, ungodly persons who turn the grace of our God into indecent behavior and deny our only master and Lord, Jesus Christ. So how would an ungodly person sneak in unnoticed and talk about indecent behavior denying our only master and Lord Jesus Christ. Well, there's the obvious ways, you know, um, 
someone could say, look, you know, um, King David had all these wives, same God yesterday as today. <laughs> this is why I have so many women in my life. This is why I have a harem. It's a sh it's showing you my godliness. Those are, you know, those aren't my claims. I want to be really clear. I'm giving you an example. But what if there's other kinds of indecent behavior that are not quite as obvious? What if you're getting instruction to be doing something that you should not be doing? Oh, there's some real big clues in this chapter. And we're going to be going through all of them. And uh, again, I want to do this in love, folks. I'm not going after any one person. I'm not. I Every person that has been on my show is a good person. It's just some things that have come out have been wrong. And I'm spending so much more time in the word now than I ever, than I, well, than I have in the last decade or so. Let's put it that way. Um, when I first was saved, I was in the word like every waking hour. But then, I, you know, you get comfortable, go back to your own ways, backslide a little bit. That's what's happened to me folks, but I pray it never happens again. And I hope that you will stay on the course. But how, so indecent behavior and deny our only master and Lord Jesus Christ. But if they've come in unnoticed, they probably proclaim Jesus Christ. There are certain things that we are to do, and there's certain things that is up to Jesus to do and the Elohim. There's certain things that are designated for angels. There's certain things that are designated for God himself. Uh, as you'll see, you know, when, when it talks about the judgment later on in this chapter, God, it, it, the, the vision of Enoch, when it says that uh, Jesus comes back with tens of thousands. But Jesus is the one who does the work. We're there. But it's his job. It's not like it doesn't say Jesus is coming with tens of thousands. And when Jesus pushes those tens and thousands out to send judgment out, no. He's the judge. He's the one who carries out justice. We're just there. Maybe we have a role. Maybe we're just supposed to sit there and go, hallelujah, righteous and true are your judgments, Lord. Righteous and true are your judgments, Lord. This is the first part of my repentance. And by the way, it's been more than one person on the show 
and maybe even myself who has put out apostasy. Um, I can tell you that, you know, even the, the couple, the few examples, and there's not that many folks, there's really not that many, but the few examples that I can think of, um, I was not the one who brought out the apostasy, but I was complicit in it because of my ignorance. So I have repented before God and I'm repenting to you in front of you as a public witness. I hope you're full of grace. Um, all right. Well, listen, it, it's an hour long. I will end it here. We'll pick up in verse five next Sunday. I hope you've enjoyed this. Um, let me just, uh, I'm going to just look at the, uh, the chat for a second before I end it to make sure I didn't miss anything. Um, that's important. Well, I can almost always, without even reading it, put up something from watching wall. Uh, that's right. Wolves in sheep's clothing. Oh, okay. Well, this is interesting. Uh, sharp as attack. I know a few of the ones of who Jeff speaks. Now well, you are wise and you are wiser than me because it took me a little while and a lot of study. Um, Misty River, man, I, I know you're up early to to do this and come in. And uh, Misty River has been just she is. Uh, I won't embarrass you. I, I love in my heart for Misty River. Um, I really mean that. Oh, amen. From Re Revolutionary Bliss, using the Bible's words are so much easier than our own. Yep, that is true. Well, the good news is I'm going through the just glancing at the chat here, and it seems my microphone was on this entire time. Hallelujah for the God of miracles. <laughs> uh, listen, folks, um, we're on this journey together, you know. Um, live right in the real world. Well, you know, the word real is in there, so we must be real. <laughs> and uh, part of being real is saying when we've been wrong and uh, taking full responsibility for it. Because it, it, I don't want to be like one of these people who complains, well, no, it was that person's fault. No, 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 someone else might have said it, but I was complicit. And... On top of that, it was on my show. It's my it's my show. I I know. Listen, the I gave it to Jesus. Okay, you know, but you know what I mean. I have the responsibility for the show, and it was on my show. So it isn't on the guest who said these things. It's on my shoulders. Hopefully, you know that person or persons will get the same burden on their heart, correct, repent, and move on. 
I don't want to be the guy standing in front of Jesus saying, yeah, I led a whole bunch of people astray. Uh-uh. Eternity is a long time, folks, and hell is a real place. If heaven is real, and it is, because that's where God lives, then hell is real too, because God told us it's a real place. Narrow is the gate into heaven. Many of us aren't going to make it, folks. Well, I don't know about saying us. That might not be the right word. But how long did it take for the church to become corrupt? If you look at, you know, the estimates are that the book of Revelation was written, uh, you know, about 90 to 100 uh, years after the death of Jesus. Probably 90 years. Well, in chapters 2 and chapters 3, Jesus writes the letters to the churches. And there's seven letters that he writes. Jesus writes, hey, hey, church, number one, number two, number three, number four, number five, number six, number seven, which is really an example of all the churches in the world today. Uh, in my opinion, God is that smart that he says, okay, all of all of the churches that call themselves churches in the way uh, fit into these seven categories. Now, they were real churches he wrote to at the time, but I, it still applies to us today. And guess what? Five out of seven didn't get a good letter. So two out of seven kind of seem like they uh, are going through the narrow gate. One of the scariest verses in the entire Bible to me is that letter to the church of Laodicea. You know the verse. When Jesus says, you're lukewarm, I'm going to spit you out of my mouth. I'm going to vomit you out of my mouth. If the, What is more scary than that? Well, I guess maybe sitting having to uh, live through the wrath of God and then hell, probably more scary. But the vomiting out of his mouth is uh, basically the indication you're going through those things. So I don't think there's anything more scary than that. <sighs> Thanks so much for being here. Everyone, I'm not even going to run a commercial today. <laughs> um, not going to. Yeah, I'm going to have some announcements next Sunday, though, that uh, I think you'll want to hear. I got to I got to I was ready to do it today, but I think I need more courage. So pray that that, that uh, your uh, your brother Jeff will have more courage and present ideas in a particular way because something I'm going to represent to you is something that I've taken a huge amount of criticism for. And, uh, my intent was right and I'm not going to back down and I'll take it on head on. Just pray for me if you don't mind.
and I'll pray for you. In the name of Jesus Christ, I uh, just extend his love, whatever to whatever capacity he love he gave me that I can uh, pass along to you because I do care about each one of you. I pray about each one of you. There's not one that is more important to me. I, I do have some really great and tight relationships, and I don't know all of you personally, but I'm telling you, I pray for each one of you the same. May uh, God bless each and every one of you. And until next time, remember, love your God, love your family, love your neighbor as yourself, and make a difference in your community by contending with this and defending the word of God. And seeing as it was a bit of a heavy program, we'll go to the light theme song. God bless you, everyone. We'll see you during the week.